Welcome to the CCM Deep Dive Podcast as we go song by song and story by story through some of Christian music's most influential albums with the artists who created them. It's time to grab your coffee and settle in. Let's go. never really kind of gave up the idea that to be influenced by something or to be able to say, I am, I am open to, and I've loved the gifts and the talents of somebody else is not, you know, is not an exchange of something uh, that, that I ever felt threatened by. We're all in some way kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. Welcome. We are working our way through Jennifer Knapp's album, Kansas, and this is episode number five, featuring her song, His Grace is Sufficient. Kansas was Jennifer's major label debut, but it wasn't her actual debut. And like many solo artists, there's a story there, too. That's, I was, I was a, involuntarily made a solo artist, for sure. <laughs> we'll get to that shortly. Early in Jennifer's musical journey, she was writing and playing around Southeast Kansas, well before Goatee Records signed her. Yeah. So here's a fun fact for you. Um, I so early on in the piece, as I started to kind of play around my local community, uh, I was in a band called Captured. So they're largely made up of a couple of my fellow college students, a couple people from my church is essentially uh, uh, the the brainchild of a couple of other, I wasn't by any means a leader in the band. I just kind of joined in because I wanted something to do, but the aspirations of the group in whole were to be a Christian rock band, which, you know, I didn't even know how I felt about that at the time. It just seemed kind of cheesy. But, um, so in that rock band, I got to play and sing. And uh, most of this, like most of the songs on this record were, you know, like martyrs and thieves and hold me now. Like, most of what I was writing from an acoustic standpoint wasn't very rock. And because of the band needing some songs, that's, I think, where songs like Undo Me and the In the Name, and in particular, I remember this was one of the first rock songs I think I wrote, trying to kind of service the, the you know, the, the volume and the up-tempo stuff for the band. So I remember this song, and, and I think the fact that it's only like three chords, right? I think I think it's just like one, four, five through the whole song um, is it's a pretty good key that was early in the piece. But, yeah, I wrote it because I our, my rock band needed some rock songs. And so I, I gave it a swing and this is what came out of it. Jennifer was right. The song is mostly a simple three chord song, which she plays in the key of D. So she's playing the chords D, G and A or the Nashville numbers one, four and five, like she said for the entirety of the song, except she does throw in an E chord on the chorus. But this was originally written to be a song for a Christian rock band. A little backstory. Everybody in the band quit but me. <laughs> so uh, about, a, about a year into doing the, the band stuff, uh, actually, my, my first manager was the bassist for that band, and he started to encourage me and started booking a lot of the solo dates that I was doing. So I didn't actually really aspire to go out and do solo music. My friend was just saying, hey, you've got 
these songs that you're writing are really good and should stand alone and you should go out without all the other band stuff. You should go out and do this stuff. And so he was booking me for those and it got quite competitive. And I think the band was pretty upset that I was um, getting just as many dates, if not more than they were. So they all quit and uh, then formed a new band without the bass player and me. (laughs) So that's kind of how bands go. So about a year into the rock band gig, Jennifer found herself without a band. The reluctant band member turned solo artist learned how to put shows together, armed with a handful of songs and her guitar, which she was still learning. I, you know, I would say I wasn't playing that well. I mean, what I played, you know, I think initially when I first started playing, I probably, I mean, we, and I, this is a thing that I think is really important, especially when I talk to other guitar players. It's like we, we somehow like, look at other people who are playing and performing, you know, who do inspire us and say, hey, I want to do that, right? And we think that we have to be a complete package when we go out to do that. And the truth of the matter is when I started playing shows, I probably really only had solidly 20 to 30 minutes of my own solo work. And so that's, you know, and if I talked a bit, that was probably maybe half a dozen songs that I really felt comfortable in being able to hold a room. And on top of that, those six songs, I probably only had maybe... Yeah, I would say I probably had like five, maybe five or six chords to go along with that. And the challenge was playing them consistently every night. So, you know, I I wouldn't have said that I was a a strong player at the time. I I mean, even now, like like being tight, being a tight player in the band, I'm usually the odd man out because I'm I've kind of got a I've got a funky right hand. Um, I do all these weird solo backbeat things that I've been able to take a lot of liberties that are hard habits to break. But that's all to say is, you know, I, I wouldn't have said I was a strong player. And even by the time I got to and I got signed and I think it definitely showed up in the studio where, you know, you're you're talking. I mean, one of the successful things about people who play in the studio is like their knowledge and their craft of their instrument is is so good that it actually makes for really speedy and quick work. So it's not just the creativity of it, but the reliability of kind of the same reason why, you know, I can DIY the plumbing in my house. I've done it. I just, I, I'm using that as a metaphor because I've just recently done it. And it took me like twice as long to do it. And the, you know, you can see that an amateur did it. And is it passable and is it functional and does it work well? Yeah, I'm really proud of the work that I did, but a plumber could have done it in, you know, a third of the time with a, a lot more reliability and, you know, hope for longevity of this skill. And I think as a guitar player, once I got to Nashville is even by that time, I think I was maybe 90, I want to say maybe 96, 97 when we did the recording, I was like, whoa, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. And by that time, I was actually kind of holding my own. I was doing, you know, hour long sets and, and, you know, I had a repertoire of songs that were challenging to me, but um, yeah, it took me a long time. And that's all to say, you know, I fast forward ahead 30 some odd years. I think maybe only in the last four or five years have I kind of relaxed even a little bit going, oh my gosh, like I'm surprised things that I'd, I I was doing a cover show a cover show just for an online thing, something to do. And I, there were covers that I'd always wanted to play. And for one reason or other, I kind of picked them up and I'm like, I finally felt like they could translate. And I was kind of like, even, you know, it's scratching 50. I was like, oh, I've got a level of skill that I didn't have 10, 15 years ago. And uh, an ability to, to look at something, uh, figure out how to play it within my own style and my own skill and also make it familiar and recognizable, not necessarily have to adapt it so I can just play it, but adapt it because I wanted to 
to play it in a particular way and that I could play it in its original form if I wanted to. Um, that those were kind of new things, but you know, I, I think for the, for the most part, uh, there are, there are really skilled players out there and really good masters of that craft. And I'm hardly one of them, but you know, at this point I, I do have a good knowledge of what I'm doing. I feel really comfortable with the instrument and that's taken a lot of time. Jennifer Knapp came up in the 1990s after the music scene had changed from the hair bands of the 80s to the Seattle grunge scene of Nirvana and Pearl Jam. The period also brought the acoustic rock pop sound of bands like Dave Matthews and Counting Crows and even Jars of Clay. With contemporary Christian music, Christian bookstores would often post lists putting Christian artists with their secular counterparts. If you like this secular artist, check out this Christian sound-alike. But the irony of those lists was that the CCM industry often chased secular creativity, but then condemned it. I think, especially in context to having a conversation about Christian music, I think there's this, and I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, CCM some, sometimes kind of eschews all of this mainstream stuff and wants to only... You know, it says you can't listen to these kind of mainstream worldly writers. And the it's it's not just the 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 lyrics and the concepts of that that I think are, are a chow, you know, are are problematic, but it it's an idea that only one people you know can live in a bubble and actually be creatively at their fullest because you haven't even, you know, if you're, if you're literally putting on the blinders to everything else that exists in the world, you're literally shutting yourself off from the beauty of the entirety of the world. And you're cutting yourself off from the other people that you can communicate with that will only invigorate your own art and your own creativity. It will only allow you even theologically to see in a broader framework, something that you might've been missing with tunnel vision. And so, I mean, and for me, you know, it was such an interesting thing, especially once I got into CCM and started having these conversations where the expectation to the answer of the question, who are your musical influences? And I would answer that honestly, and people would be really disappointed that I wasn't basically championing you know, the CCM people. So, I mean, I learned to be able to kind of find out some uh, some other artists who had been influential to that and that wasn't a, a dishonest answer. But I never really kind of gave up the idea that to be influenced by something or to be able to say I am I am open to and have loved the gifts and the talents of somebody else is not, you know, is not an exchange of something uh, that that I ever felt threatened by. And I, you know, so I really enjoyed being able to kind of piss some people off a little bit by never really kind of giving up the fact that where I came from and the the things that are present in my art, I think were not only important to me, but I think it's also important to be able to name that because we're all in some way kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, we're all influenced and in some way encouraged to have, you know, we're, we're, whether Tracy Chapman and I ever meet or not, I will say, hey, thank you. You know, I will say, hey, thank you for you being you and following that, because had you not done that, I wouldn't have seen something in the world that I wanted that inspired me to do this and gave gave me the courage to do it. And I think even like later on, like uh, another art, I was already performing at the time when I became aware of uh, Patty Griffin. But when I remember the Patty Griffin's record, Living With Ghosts, and it's just a solo acoustic record, 
Um, it was basically a record that they, it was so good in its demo form, they just kept it that way and released it that way. And when I heard that record, it, it really gave me a lot of courage to play out solo acoustic. I used to always feel like if I wasn't playing a band, I was somehow underperforming and that people really weren't going to appreciate what I was doing unless I could somehow always afford to have a band. And when I heard that record, it kind of reinvigorated the idea like, no, a solo woman does and can, and a good song can hold the room. And um, I was really grateful to, to see artists like that. And to, to not be able to say that that was an influence, to not be able to speak that, I think not only, you know, takes the wind out of my sails, but it also just doesn't shine the light on the people that I'm really grateful that they, they followed their gifts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CCM Deep Dive Podcast featuring Jennifer Knapp. Join us next week as we take a little pause on walking through the Kansas album for a special tribute to the songs inspired by the events of 9-11. And in two weeks, we'll resume with Jennifer's song, Martyrs and Thieves.
sufficient.